1975, I was born again by God speaking these words to me by his Holy Spirit. Joan, you know those mistakes you've been making all these years? Those weren't mistakes. Those were sins. Sins, I said, I guess. I didn't know they were sins. I thought they were mistakes. And with that, I was born again. Shortly after I was born again, I was taken into heaven in the night. I was with God. I was with Christ. I was with the Holy Spirit. I didn't see any images. It was strictly a spiritual experience. At that time, I was merged into the body of Jesus. God and the Holy Spirit witnessing. A few nights later, the exact same thing happened to me again. I didn't know what this meant. I was reading a book of Exodus at the time, and the writer said that sometimes when you have a call of God on your life, there will be an unusual experience attached to it. But at that time, I just thought this was a part of being a Christian and that it happened to everybody. I had been baptized in water when I was 15, but I was not born again. I went forward at one of those invitations that they give at churches because I didn't want to go to hell. Sometimes ministers do extremely fleshly invitations, as if you can go forward and be born again by your own will. That's just not the way it happens. Paul said in Romans chapter 9, it's not of him that willeth, but him that calleth. It is by the will of God that we are born again, not of our works, but of his will. So many church people just don't understand that. Church-going people, I should say. So many church-going people think it's totally by your will that you're born again. But Paul explains in Romans 9, that's just not the case. God has mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will he hardeneth says the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 9. We are born again because it's the will of God that we be born again. It is the will of God that God reveals himself to us. Matthew chapter 16, there were 12 apostles, but only one of them at that time had Jesus revealed to him as being the Son of God. Matthew chapter 16, start at verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others, Jeremiah, are one of the prophets. Jesus saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, 
For flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The reason Peter was blessed is that God chose to reveal to Peter the truth that Jesus was the Christ. The revealed word from God causes us to be born again. Just as I told you at the beginning of this podcast, I was just sitting on my bed reading a book when God spoke to me. Joan, you know these mistakes you've been making all these years? Those weren't mistakes. Those were sins. See, that's the same thing that happened to Peter. God revealed a truth to Peter. God revealed a truth to me. And that truth, which is revealed to the individual by the Holy Spirit of God, is the thing that causes that individual to be born of the Spirit of God. Most church-going people do not have any concept of this situation, of what it means to be born again. They simply go forward at church, are baptized in water, or do whatever the church tells them to do to be a member of the church. But that doesn't make you a member of the church. The real church members are born of the Spirit of God, sealed with the Holy Spirit of God, and have God living in them by His Spirit. Two sections of Scripture on that fact. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Paul says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? Paul said also the same thing in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? And Jesus says in John chapter 3, verse 3, you must be born again. Except you be born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. In other words, you can't see things of God until you're born again because it is the Spirit of God who shows you things of God. And without the Spirit of God, you would have to use your natural mind to understand things of God. And you can't understand things of God by your natural mind. So you must be born again to see the kingdom of God, to understand the Bible. Paul says the same thing in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, neither can he know them, because they are foolishness to him. We who are of God have the Holy Spirit in us, to teach us and guide us, both in secular things and in spiritual things. And the Holy Spirit is the teacher. 
for those of us who are born again. We don't learn things of God by our mind. We learn it by the Holy Spirit teaching us. We read it and the Holy Spirit interprets it to us. Jesus said to us, And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. Matthew 10.36 So it's not unusual when you hear a word from God that someone in your own household will argue against you or fight against you because they're fighting against that word because they are not of God. They are not born again. Now, let's don't be too discouraged about that because it might be that they will be born again in the future. But at that moment, they are not of God. Also, church-going people fight against you when you hear a word of God, for very often, they are not born again. They put themselves in the church by going forward and doing whatever they were told to do to join the church. At 15, I was baptized in water. When I was 37, I was born again by the Spirit of God speaking to me. After that, I was en route to Albuquerque, New Mexico on a buying trip. Just as the plane began to sit down on the tarmac, I heard from the Holy Spirit, Be baptized. My cousin, Church of Christ, was meeting me at the plane, and I said to her, Jean, if you can set it up this afternoon, I will be baptized. And she said, but you've already been baptized. I said, yes, but I wasn't born again at that time, and now I hear from God to be baptized. She was puzzled, but she said, well, okay. So she did set it up for me to be baptized that afternoon. She was taking me out to purchase merchandise for my business. As we rode along the highway, I was talking to her about God and things of God. And she said to me, Well, I believe you are a Christian. I just don't see how you can be a Christian. She wasn't born again. She'd been taken to church from the time she was a baby. Church of Christ, but she wasn't born again of the Spirit of God. For the next 40 years, this cousin fought me. I was put on radio by God in January 1980, and she heard one of the radio broadcasts, and she made the statement, Well, you do have a good voice. But then she set about fighting me, trying to convince me that as a woman, I could not do this work I was doing, which was radio broadcast, exhorting the church in things of God. There are a great many denominations of churches that just don't understand the fact of the ministry of Jesus and how He set up the ministry after he was crucified and taken into heaven. At that time, from heaven, he gave 
some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the edifying of the body of Christ, for the work of the ministry. I'm quoting from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 8, 11, and 12. How does a person today get to be a minister? Many churches teach that Paul was the last apostle. That is so unscriptural. We read in Acts 1 that Matthias was the one chosen to replace Judas. Where does Paul fit in? At the time that this happened in Acts 1, Jesus had already been taken into heaven. Paul was persecuting the church. He was out gathering up people who followed Jesus, bringing them bound to the Jews, to the high priest. And as they were put to death, Paul was consenting to their being put to death. So how in the world did he ever get to be an apostle? He never saw Jesus as Jesus walked on the earth in the flesh before the crucifixion. He wasn't like the other apostles. They were called by Jesus as Jesus walked on the earth. He saw them fishing and he said, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And one by one, he collected the 12 apostles. Judas Iscariot was a traitor. He ended up committing suicide. They had to replace him as the 12th apostle. In Acts chapter 1, they tell about drawing lots between Matthias and one of the other men, and the lot fell on Matthias. So he was numbered among the apostles. Well, what does that mean about Paul? Where was Paul? How did he get to be an apostle? Have you ever asked yourself that question? He wasn't with the other apostles. He was persecuting the church at the time Jesus had been crucified and taken into heaven. Paul was persecuting the church. So how did Paul get to be an apostle? Now, this was the missing ingredient in my cousin's doctrine because she was only thinking of the apostles in the Gospels where Jesus walked on the earth and selected Peter and selected the different apostles. So I come along saying that I'm called to the body of Christ in the offices of apostle prophet. She goes through the roof. Not only can a woman not do that, according to her doctrine, but there are no more apostles or prophets. <laughs> That's what her church is teaching. That's what many churches teach. And that is completely false doctrine. It's against Ephesians chapter 4. Completely against Ephesians chapter 4. For from heaven, after the crucifixion and the resurrection, Jesus gave gifts to the church. Verses 11, 12. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. For the work of the ministry, 
from heaven after the crucifixion and resurrection. Paul was one of those given after the crucifixion and resurrection. Acts chapter 9. Paul tells about this experience. And Saul, who is Paul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined around about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth, and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. He didn't see Jesus. He heard a voice from heaven. That's what we do today. We who are called by God, one way or another, have heard from Jesus. And he shows us the calling apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, and he teaches us how to do that calling. I've had so many ministers from different countries ask me to be their mentor, their supervisor, their teacher, to watch over them, to show them how to do the work of the ministry. I doubt these men are born again. I don't even believe they have a call of God on their life. If God calls you, if Jesus calls you, he teaches you. You don't copy other men to be a minister. You are taught by God, by Jesus. And that is from heaven. You are taught in the form of the Holy Spirit showing you what to do, giving you scriptures to show you the office to which you are called watching over you, supervising you. Man does not do that. Only Jesus can do that. I can tell you about the offices of apostle, prophet. I can only surmise about the offices of evangelist, pastor, teacher, based on what we as humans think evangelist, pastors, and teachers do. But I've been taught by God about apostles, prophets. Apostles basically work in church doctrine. They are going to try to get the churches to use the Holy Bible to set up their doctrine and to believe the doctrine of Christ as stated by the Holy Bible. Concerning divorce, remarriage, concerning homosexual lesbians, An apostle will give you scripture, and they will speak very strongly to urge you to hold on to 
the doctrine of Christ as presented by the New Testament Bible. I have done several recordings on the subjects of divorce, remarriage, homosexual lesbians. Every one of them present scriptures from the New Testament Bible. That's the work that God has shown me that I'm called to do as an apostle, is to present doctrine from the New Testament Bible because there's so much in churches today that is not by the New Testament Bible. In the office of a prophet, Hosea chapter 12, verse 13, by a prophet the Lord brought Israel out of Egypt, and by a prophet was he preserved. Basically, this defines the work of a prophet. God uses us to help people to get out of traps and to help them to stay out of traps. Prophets are always sent to the church, not to the world. So prophets come to you bringing a message of correction to help you get free from something you've gotten into, and they will also help you to stay free by giving you doctrine from the Bible. To my cousin, this would have appeared to be nonsense because in Church of Christ, they teach that there are no apostles' prophets today. They ignore Ephesians chapter 4, and they revert back to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John showing the apostles and the prophets they see from the Old Testament, and they say they are not even here today. But they miss the whole point of the book of Acts, where Agabus, the prophet of the New Testament church, was sent to deliver messages to the New Testament church. You can see this in Acts chapter 11. You can see Silas was a prophet if you read the book of Acts. They miss this doctrine completely in many churches. And they have incorrect doctrine about the ministries of today. And they have no idea how Paul got to be an apostle. They know he was spoken to from heaven by Jesus. But they still cling to their doctrine that Paul was the last apostle when really Paul was one of the first of the New Testament apostles who was called by Jesus from heaven. So my cousin fought me very strongly for 40 years, trying to get me not to do the work to which I believed God called me. In the year 2019, she fought her last verbal battle against me. It was by letter. She couldn't hear at all. She had gone totally deaf, so you couldn't talk to her by phone. I lived about 500 miles away from her, and I no longer drove a car. I couldn't go where she was to try to talk to her, but she couldn't hear me anyway. So we communicated by letter, by U.S. mail, because she didn't know how to do an email. She was 97 years old at the time she fought this last battle against me, trying to get me to see that there was no way I could be an apostle because Acts chapter 1 and 2 showed the last apostle, who was Matthias, but she was mixed up in saying it was Paul. 
It was terribly mixed-up doctrine. Well, I prayed for her. And what I prayed was that before she died, I prayed that God would show her that I was doing what he wanted me to do, called by him. Because if she continued fighting against me to her last breath, she would be fighting against God. And I don't see how you can be saved if you fight against God and don't repent. So I prayed that God would reveal to her that I was doing what he wanted me to do so that she could be saved and go into heaven to the new Jerusalem when she died and was resurrected from the dead. She was 97 at the time of the last battle against me. And I prayed that God would let me know, somehow he would let me know that he had shown her this. On May 31st, 2021, God did let me know. He gave me a dream showing me that this had been revealed to her and now she was at peace concerning me. It was an answer to my prayer that this would be revealed to her before she died because I did not want her to be damned over this doctrine and I wanted her to be born again which I was sure she was not born again the way she fought me. You fight against a real minister of God and you are fighting against God. But there are many ministers today that aren't of God. They aren't of Jesus. They weren't called by Jesus. They put themselves into the ministry. Jude tells about this in Jude verse 17. But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit. These mockers who set themselves up today to be ministers copy other ministers. Kenneth Copeland even made the statement that he copied Kenneth Hagin. I have heard Copeland say at his meetings that he used to fly a plane for Hagen. Copeland was basically a popular music singer. He flew the plane for Kenneth Hagen, as I understand it. He then decided, well, I can be a minister. So he took Kenneth Hagen's tape recordings. He shut himself up for two weeks in his garage, according to his own testimony and memorized the teachings of Kenneth Hagin. Copeland already had stage presence to draw an audience. He had that through his singing. He had a very good popular music-type voice. But I really never saw the Spirit of God in this man. There was some type of very fierce spirit that was in him. 
His mother became one of my best friends at that time in 1981-82. I believe he's one of those mockers described in Jude. And he has thousands and thousands and thousands of followers. He's a handsome man. He has a very good voice. He has stage presence and can put a message over. Plus, he speaks a message which people want to hear. He's calling it the authority of the believer, which in essence says, if you take your authority against the devil, he can never attack your house, your family, or anything that belongs to you. You stand up against the devil and command him to leave your property alone or to leave your family alone. At least that's what they were teaching in 1980. I haven't heard him since about 1982. Vanetta Copeland told me this herself. One of the Copeland children was extremely sick, and she said to me, Joan, that child was dying. Vanetta was raised in the Baptist church. She said they were standing around the hospital bed quoting scripture and rebuking the devil. But she said, Joan, the child was dying. She told me she left that room, went into a room by herself, fell down on her knees, and began begging God to spare the life of the child. She wasn't trying to be God. They were trying to be God, exhorting their authority over the devil, which Copeland preached. Vanetta fell down before God and asked God for help. That is the basic fallacy in that movement, is trying to be God versus calling on God for help. And it is Antichrist, because in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, that's exactly what Paul tells us will happen. See, look what this says in Second Thessalonians 2. Not only will the churches fall away from Scripture, there, there will come a falling away where churches depart from Scripture. That's in verse 3. And by the departure from Scripture, that man of sin will be revealed, the son of perdition, because Antichrist can't come into the church as long as the church holds fast to solid Scripture. But that man of sin is revealed in verse 4 says, Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And that's the problem right there with the faith movement. Because you're taught to find a scripture and quote it rather than turning to God and asking for help and praying, Thy will be done. So it's Antichrist, really. Well, Jude said in the last days there would come these ministers that weren't called by God. They're mockers, and they do not have the Spirit of God. Peter also said this. If we look at Second Peter Chapter 2, start at verse 1. 
Peter said, but there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction, and many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words, pretended words, make merchandise of you. The Apostle John told us the same thing in the Bible. First John chapter 2 verses 18 and 19 concerning Antichrist. For decades, the churches have taught that the Antichrist is one man and coming from governments of men. That is not what John taught in the Bible. So correct your doctrine right now about Antichrist with these two verses of Scripture. John said to the church of his day, little children, it is the last time, and as ye have heard, that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrist, whereby ye know that it is the last time. That's verse 18. There were already many Antichrists coming in to the churches. They would stay for a while and then leave. They would leave that church because the true doctrine of Christ in the church that was taught by John, they were clinging to the true doctrine of Christ. Well, these Antichrist people didn't want that. They went out and started their own denominations. Paul tells us the same thing in Acts chapter 20. He gathered the elders of the church together. And listen to what he said to the elders of the church at Ephesus. Acts chapter 20, verses 29-30. For I know this, that after my departing, says Paul, shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also, of your own self shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after themselves. Acts chapter 20, verses 29 and 30. Now these scriptures show us the truth, but sadly most churches don't even come close to teaching these doctrines. And their followers, such as my cousin, gets trapped in the church doctrine and is in great danger of being swept away to damnation unless they hear the truth and repent and follow the Bible, which they think they're following. Church of Christ doesn't follow the Bible. They have their own doctrine. And much of it is perverted. For decades in the Church of Christ, they eliminated Scripture that had any reference to the Holy Spirit. 
their favorite verse of scripture when I attended Church of Christ was Acts chapter 2, I believe it's verse 38, repent and be baptized. And this is how they spoke it, repent and be baptized. And they printed it and put it on the walls of their churches. But the whole scripture says, repent and be baptized and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But they didn't believe in the gift of the Holy Ghost. So they eliminated that portion of scripture in their writings and in their quotings. Now, this is just pitiful. But my cousin attended Church of Christ from the time she was a baby and she was still attending it when she was 97 years old. So she was terribly blocked from passages of Scripture, such as telling that from heaven Jesus gave gifts to the church, some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Thank you for allowing me to speak with you today.